Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, and we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up. Our podcast starts now. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Hustle podcast. Today, we've got a great friend of mine and special guest. We've got Austin Keitner with the Keitner Real Estate Group out of Toronto. These guys are absolutely killing it. They're doing some incredible things in real estate and watching these guys grow over the last few years has been a treat. So I know you guys are going to enjoy today's episode. Austin, I'm going to kick it to you to let everyone know just a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Andre. Thanks for having me, buddy. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, uh, I just came into the business as a regular agent and we slowly increased our sales and went through a lot of ups and downs along the way, but through partnerships and through the right training and applying the right systems and models, uh, we've been able to grow quite a bit, especially in the last two years. Like it took six or seven years to get to a million dollars in GCI. Um, but then only one year to double that. So increased it by over a million in one year, even though it took six or seven to get to that first million. And now this year we're already closing and pending 2 million and we're uh, heading towards the end of May, 2021. Wow. Wow. That is, you know, that that reminds me of kind of the hockey stick curve that we talk about a lot. And, you know, you work so hard in in the flat end of the curve and then all of a sudden it, it kind of takes off six years to get to a million though. That's not a small feat by any chance. You mentioned systems and models, and we hear that a lot, you know, in our world, and um, especially when you talk to KW agents, we hear that that word a lot. But you were also, I mean, I remember watching you kind of back in the day, and you were farming a specific area, like you weren't looking at all of Toronto. Was that the case? Like, did you just kind of take over a small area to start? Well, at first, yeah, like when I when my license came in the mail, the first door that I could reach with my fist. I, I knocked on that door and asked if they thought about selling their house and they probably said no. And then I did that to the next person. I just kind of did that like every single street in the area that I lived in at the time. And, um, and then I moved and we moved downtown and um, hired some inside sales agents early on. And, and in Canada, you can only call like 700 people per community. So there could be 4,000 households, but you might get 700 phone numbers and they're all landlines and mostly get ignored. So like you're going through communities pretty quickly and Toronto's a big city. So, you know, we were spread very thin for a couple of years there. And I was taking listings all the way from Northwest part of the GTA to the Southeast part of the GTA and a lot of stuff in between and really spinning our wheels. Like our sales didn't increase for three years and uh, it felt like we were working our asses off. So we decided through training at Keller Williams, like going, uh, getting big, thinking big, like Gary talks about in the one thing, thinking big, but going small um, was the concept that we kind of applied because we still found that the majority of our sales, even after all those years, were still coming from South Etobicoke where I had originally started door knocking. And we decided that if we concentrate our open house efforts, our marketing efforts, our giving efforts, to a specific community, we don't have to think as much about should I open house, should I knock around this open house that I'm doing at this part of the city, or should I knock around this new listing that's coming up? Like it removed a lot of decision making. So it made a lot of sense. And we figured if we could get the right systems and models in place to get 20% market share in a small community of 4,000, then we could scale that and apply that to other communities with the partnership with the right agents. 
and uh, do the same type of market share in other communities. So yeah, that's kind of how that evolved, Andre. It wasn't, uh, I wish I was smart enough earlier on in my career to figure that out, but it took me many years. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's funny though, because I think we all kind of have these moments, right? We're going along trying all these things and then we get that kind of clarity piece or someone says it to us or we hear it in a, in a class or on a podcast like this and it's all of a sudden it just kind of makes sense, right? I mean, I remember kind of doing the same thing as you, like I was all over the place talking to everybody I could, no real focus or purpose around it. And, and as soon as we kind of hone that in, focused on our database, focused on specific areas that we did a lot of business, all of a sudden you start to, to create that brand and that awareness around people. What made you what made you kind of think going the team route was the best route? I mean, we've had a, a number of different conflicting people that have said, you know, some people love teams, other people like the solo game themselves. You're kind of the, the first expansionist we've had on um, through this process that, you know, you hear that the expansionists aren't making money and here you are over 2 million in one of the best expansion networks in the world. How did all that come about for you? Um, I actually, when I first got in the business, wanted to join a team. Like I was looking for a team. I interviewed with teams because I, uh, I had direct sales experience. That's why door knocking came naturally. Like I had been doing it for two years. So that was, uh, I knew that that's how I was going to build my business, but I didn't want to have to do administrative stuff. I knew that I wouldn't know how to do it. I knew that I wouldn't do it well. And I just wanted that in, but I wasn't meeting with people that were doing anything that was inspiring me or I, I just what, hadn't found the right people to partner with or to team up with. Um, so I just hired somebody at first to do the admin stuff um, myself and, you know, failed at that. I made a bad hires at the beginning, like good people, just not for the role. And I certainly wasn't training them properly on what to do and how to do it and things like that. So I wasn't setting them up for success, but um, learned a lot through that process, but I was still like open to the concept of partnering or joining a team. And it wasn't until like I met Ben Kinney and Chris Suarez and saw how their teams were outperforming and the new agents on their team were highly outperforming, even agents who had been in the business for 10 or 12 years by a lot. And it was consistent across like, and now they're in 62 markets and consistently doing that. Nobody ever leaves them, but it's because of the fact that they've got some sophisticated systems for onboarding and getting people into production very quickly. So I wanted to tap into that as opposed to spending the next you know, five to seven years trying to build that part of the business. Right. So, so being with place, would you say it's, it's supercharged you on getting there even faster? It adds a lot more value. I mean, yes, definitely. Um, it adds a lot more value for the agents that you onboard because the biggest struggle for those listening to this podcast who are building teams or considering building teams, the biggest challenge, it's a fiduciary due that we have to the agents that we hire on to help them succeed. And there's only so much that we can do personally. Like I thought that because I was successful in, in real estate sales, I could, I don't know if it was through osmosis or like if I trained them to say the right things, it was, it was a little bit entrepreneurial with each person as opposed to being systematic. So instead of having a milestone for, you know, their first 30 days, like, you know, getting their 200 sphere contacts in gear and having a checklist of things that they need to do to get that, what, like, what does that even mean? Like to get right. their sphere and gear, like how they would status them, what tasks they should set up, what automations they should build in so that they're getting listings that are selling around their areas 
from you as the the new real estate their new real estate agent of choice like getting their sphere and gear doing 100 previews in their first 100 days and teaching them how to do 100 previews what to look out for what it's going to do for them what business opportunities can come from it and what to say in their response to agents so that they're getting notoriety in the industry from other agents so that they know who they are even though they're brand new agents it allows the new agents to perform and to see as many places to know the market as well as agents who have been in the business for 10 or 12 years and they're they're in most cases outperforming them so i want to tap into that without having to try to figure out how to build it myself because it would take too long yeah yeah well and then that's you know hey kudos to you for for having that foresight and for you know, almost taking the ego out of it, right? I mean, I know a lot of us have egos and, and it shows up at the most inopportune time and, and being able to put that aside and say, hey, you know what, these guys are doing it, they're faster, I can plug in, I can run as fast as they are. And your business grew in COVID. For anyone listening, depending on when you're listening to this, we are still in a stay-at-home order in Canada. You know, we've been locked down now for the third time. It's even with the weather getting nicer and your business is still growing. What are you guys attributing that to? So it's, um, it's when we were running around chasing opportunities, one at a time, we were only as good as our last sale. But when we've honed in on niches, when our database is being systematically followed up with, so when there is sphere and gear programs where we're giving away free home show tickets, where we're giving them real estate data based on where the person lives, when we're entering them into draws and giveaways and things like that. When we're touching on our database systematically, we tend to, and as it grows throughout the year, we're not just doing the business that, that new that's coming in like we did the year before. We're also doing business from the year before where they weren't quite ready, but now they're being nurtured for a long time. So the fact that there's these systems in place for our lead generation, you know, you talked about systems and models for a business and, and it's kind of vague and almost used too much. Cause like what you, is even that and what does that mean it's like for your lead sources when there's automation happening for follow-up like there's auto texts that go out if they're from this particular source from the internet for example automated text going out a task for the agent to follow up then you set them up on listing alerts so there's this system in place of what to do once this lead comes in from this particular place and a lot of those things happen automatically and we have accountability built in so we can make sure that the agents do their part of it because they want to succeed they want to do the right things we just have to teach them and educate them and set the standard for what that is and then inspect what we inspect and then coach them and mentor them. And if we can do that properly, then we can increase our sales. At, uh, the agents on the team individually increase their sales more and more every year. So collectively as a business, our sales increase. But then we also layer in new agents who we onboard and, and ideally have them producing really quickly if they're tapping into the systems and so That's cool. When you mentioned, when you mentioned team and, and structure, um, are you guys doing anything special in your structure? Are you running the true model? You know, buyer agents only deal with buyers, listing agents only deal with listings. Or are you running a bit more of like a hybrid role um, and allowing everyone to kind of do what, what suits them best? I mean, on our trackers, you'll see some of our agents are very heavily weighted towards listing sales and others are definitely weighted heavily towards buyer sales. But either one would probably be like 80-20. Right. Um, so our buyers agents have the opportunity to work with listings because we want them to have those additional opportunities if they already have the relationship with the client and they're more inclined to ask for the listing if, if they're also able to actually work it. So we wouldn't limit anybody's opportunities, uh, but some of our agents are just, I mean, they're different roles, really. They're different skill sets in some ways. And some people tend to lean towards a preferred 
for status. So we, yeah. Yeah, we tend to uh, we tend to position the people on our team for the roles that they're happiest in. It. Yeah. Are you are you guys looking at um, like personalities? Like, are you doing disc tests, KPAs, AVAs, that sort of stuff, or are you just kind of seeing how they show up and then and then guiding them through it? Yeah, I mean, new agents on the team, like a lot of them, especially if they're brand new licensed, they'll they'll start off as like showing agents, so they'll they'll work with like my buyers directly, and all they'll have to do in that process is actually show the properties and keep their eye outs for opportunities based on the criteria that we established but they don't have to get the lead they don't have to secure the the buyer under contract they don't have to do the negotiations they just help with all the stuff in the middle that that consumes a lot of time but they're getting a ton of experience because they had to do previews anyway in the first 30 days right. to get to know the market and to to be knowledgeable when they're talking to people so i mean that just counts as a preview but they're showing real buyers and they get paid um, while they learn at the same time. So it's a really good model, but at the same time, they're also building up their database and they're talking to their sphere. They're going to work with buyers and sellers, whichever one their, their sphere wants to do. And then when we start sending in internet leads, it tends to be um, more geared towards buyers, but some of those buyers end up having to sell. So they're trained in all the categories. Like we have uh, milestones for buyer certification and seller certification. Um, so once they achieve those milestones then we start sending them leads for, for those categories. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, what does it take to, to kind of achieve that? Is, is that just knowing the buyer presentation, like the back of their hand, or is there, is there other things that kind of chip into that as well? Yeah, that's a big part of it. Like they have to listen to it 10 times. So we have it recorded um, for them and they can listen to it in their car. They have to shadow three uh, buyer consultations. A lot of those are happening on Zoom now. So it's pretty easy. We actually have like a lot of them pre-recorded so they can check those out. Um, they have to do a few of them in front of family and friends, like three um they have to have memorized the lp mama script because they have to know what questions to ask when uh, a lead comes in so stuff like that they have to have written a contract um there's there's some key things that they would have to know how to do to be able to convert the leads and then we start sending them those leads that's awesome that's awesome now over the last year i mean you know some are some are having their best years ever some are having their worst years ever seen a bit of everything through through this covid stuff um what what have you learned like what if, if you've got an agent listening right now who's probably having one of their worst years ever what are you advising them on or how would you coach them to kind of get back into production or, or get back their career going in the right direction well i mean whether we like it or not, we are in a lead generation business. Like we have to talk to people. So wallowing about the year or about how nobody's moving isn't a problem. I, my brother, he, so he got in the business uh, like when I was in my second year and he joined us as an inside sales agent. And when he got his license, he was out door knocking. He was focusing on just Mimico. He's Mimico Joel. You can look him up on Instagram and stuff, but he, uh, he just honed in on that one community and at first he was getting a lot of rejection and he was sitting on a park bench one day and he didn't have enough money on. He's okay with me telling the story because he tells it. We share it with the team all the time and stuff, but he was sitting on a park bench. He didn't have enough money to buy a slice of pizza, pizza for lunch. So he was sitting at a park bench at the lake wondering what he's going to do about it. And he's like, well, I'm not going to get out of the situation by sitting here. So he went back out and started door knocking again. Last year he netted like 400,000, like in his fourth or fifth year, netted 400,000. He's got buying his second income property. He's uh, he turned it around because he was willing to get off that park bench and actually do the things that are going to get him results. Even if it wasn't going to happen that same exact day, he was still moving the needle forward and, and focusing on what he could control. So for that agent that you just described, Andre, 
I would suggest talking to more people than you expect that you would need to, a certain number every day, a minimum. I used to make it when I was brand new that I had to get at least six leads added to my database every day. Wow. So you would want to set a certain standard of that so that you know if you're winning or, or not each day. And then uh, if, if you're having trouble figuring out who to actually talk to, you might just focus on a niche. You might focus on a geographic niche. You might focus first on your sphere. You might focus on a certain age category or first time home buyers or something like that. Having something specific to reach out to or, or a group, a specific group to reach out to can help uh, alleviate the call reluctance and uh, the procrastination. You pretty well simplify, right? I, you know, we had, uh, we, we have this conversation all the time and, you know, I usually say it starts with that kind of like Joel did, like you said, you know, he was real with himself, right? I got a decision to make. I'm either out of the business or I got to stop whining, get off this bench and go do it. I think that's sort of the hardest thing for a lot of these agents to do is to have that realist conversation with themselves where, you know, you stop lying to yourself, guys. Like if, if you're not doing the activities, you're not doing the things like, like I love talking to an agent and, you know, oh, I'm not having a good year. Okay. Well, what are you doing to change that? And, and they don't know, right? Or they give you a whole bunch of different excuses and answers, but none of that stuff is going to be income producing. They're not doing anything that's going to help them grow their business. And so I love that story where you mentioned Joel just got back up, started knocking on doors again. And, and you know, he had his best year ever last year, probably on pace for another record breaking year. He'd probably beat that again this year. If, if I know anything about you, you Keitner boys. And so you know, guys, if you're listening, it's, it's, I don't think it's rocket science. And, and you can probably agree with this, uh, Austin. It's, we're just doing activities that lead to results. I don't think we're doing anything crazy. There's no special pill. There's no nothing. You know, I've got the hustle poster on the, on the wall there for that specific reason, because it's, it's literally just getting up every day, doing activities that are going to lead to results, tracking those results, and then either scaling up or scaling down, depending on what you're, what you're doing next. And most times it's scaling up. They should never really be scaling down. Yeah, agreed. That's cool. That's cool, man. So, I mean, you know, we, we haven't even touched on, on mindset or anything like that. And I know, you know, I know you've got a, a pretty regimented schedule. I think you run as well. And I get this question a lot, you know, what are top produ- performers, top producers doing better than everybody else? Do you have like a, you would get up at 4am guy or what's your day typically look like on a day-to-day basis for you? Um, no, I, I did wake up pretty early before the pandemic to go to the gym before the day. Cause I found that if I was doing that partway through the day, it would eat up so much time. Like I, I like doing a workout partway through the day. Cause it kind of feels like a recharge. And then after that, it feels like you've got like a fresh start to the day again. So I do like doing that. And now that we can like run outside and, uh, don't need to go to a gym or something like that. Um, that's kind of when I do that now, but no, I, I typically, like I have little kids, right? So I wake up uh, early because they like to wake up early. So like usually by seven o'clock, I'm out of bed and on the weekends a bit earlier if, if I'm waking up with them, but then I'm, uh, I'm just hanging out with them and like helping them get ready for their day and spending time with my wife and stuff. And then uh, I'm in the office by eight 30 and we do an operations meeting. So me and the ops team just talk about what they what went well the day before and, and what's happening this day. And, focusing on the projects that we're working on and the day-to-day stuff. And then uh, from nine to nine 30, we're jumping on with the, with the sales agents. And we're talking about objection handling. We call it power up. So we're going over what to, uh, what to expect in the marketplace and, and what's working and what's not working in our listing presentation or our bar consult so that we know what our value propositions are to get more appointments and to, to close more of them. And, uh, and then from 9.30 to 11.30, we're, we're on the phones together. Uh, we do it through Zoom. Some people come into the office 
and we just make our calls uh, following up or, or making cold calls, depending on where the agents are at in their business. And then we spend the afternoons out on our appointments and, and uh, securing contracts and, and doing or doing previews, depending on where the agents at and showing properties and stuff like that. No, so it's, it doesn't feel regimented, Andre, like it feels like it's just a habit. That's just like the work day. Like yeah. you get up and like, you've got these, these rocks that you put in your calendar called a time block. And then you just do the thing that's, that you scheduled. Yeah. It's crazy to hear, right? Because it, it's, it's simple yet it's effective and, and it doesn't need to be anything crazy and, and you don't have this, this crazy schedule. You're, and, and that's why I asked because I wasn't sure, you know, we've had people on that that do the 4am thing and, and are very regimented that way. And then, you know, you guys are, are still highly, highly productive and you're doing it your way. And that's, you know, that's really what I want our listeners to hear is a, there's no secret formula. There, there's nobody that's, you know, going, Hey, take this pill and you'll do a million bucks next year. There's no set schedule that you have to have. There's none of these things that, that I keep hearing over and over and over again, um, especially in our world. You know, you can figure it out your way and it doesn't have to be Austin's way or Andre's way or anything else, but do what makes you feel good about yourself, right? Yeah, I would say the thing in my career that's been very consistent is just uh, the mornings and doing the lead generation, the follow-up and the setting appointments because like it's just the best time of the day to do it. And then the rest of the day, you feel good about it. And ideally, I'm doing the workout in the morning, because then by noon, if you've done all the things that matter most in your day, and it's noon, then you've already won the day. And you can't really screw it up from there. But you can also like make it even better, or like, you know, get more time with your family or people you care about and stuff like that. So if you if that's been a consistent habit, but otherwise, it's like, if you asked me my schedule two years ago, it would be a little bit different, like when I do exercise, or if I even am doing exercise that week. And like, I'm not super regimented. I don't think of myself as a really disciplined guy. I've just, I focus on certain habits that I know are going to benefit me over time. And I try to plan for my future self, because if we don't think about our future self, they've done brain scans where, where, where we'll actually think of our future self, like 30 years from now, the same brain activity will show up as if we're thinking about a complete stranger. Whereas if we think about ourselves now, like a, a certain area of the brain lights up and, and, it, and it shows that we like are thinking about ourselves and care about ourselves and concerns about ourselves and things like that. But our future selves, we don't give a shit about it, it turns out. So we have to do these exercises like planning for the future or our future now or our someday goal and work our way backwards so that we can give meaning to the things that we're doing in these particular moments. So I just try to attach my habits to those things and I mean, the rest of it looks kind of messy, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I appreciate the, the transparency. How do you, um, you know, mindset comes up a lot in our world. You know, obviously, this is the toughest time we've ever been through in, in humanity, at least in, in current status. And it's, it's, you know, we're feeling that fatigue, that COVID burnout, that Zoom burnout, all these other things. And, and you guys are, you know, I, I know you're a big mindset guy um, and focus on, on what you're putting into your mind. How are you continuing to keep that up through all of this time? And, and have you, you know, be transparent, right? I mean, has it been tough for you at any point through this where, where you've had to kind of check in with yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of us uh, want to quit or we want to quit for the day or we, you know, wondering why are we even doing this? Um, yeah, I mean, of course, I struggle with those thoughts and but for the most part, like I remind myself how blessed I am, how much uh, like I've been working to have the kind of chaos that I've created in 
in our business um, and at, in my home life, like we have three kids under five and we have a fourth on the way. So there's like a tremendous amount of chaos. Uh, I didn't home. know about the fourth. Congratulations. <laughs> You're, you guys are a machine. That's, that's wild. So that'll be four under five or will, will one of them get? Yeah. Away? Four or five and under type thing. Yeah. They're all within like five years. So, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot of chaos, but you know, I guess the point I am in my life, like I'm, I'm just so lucky. Like I have nothing to complain about when it comes to COVID and stay at homes. And, you know, we've been able to secure uh, a teacher for our kids to come in every morning. So we knew that the schools would be in and out of being able to go there. So we knew it would be disruptive. So we hired somebody to come to our house and we got a couple of our kids' cousins involved. So um, that was something we could control. So that was five hours of our day um, that we had our, our kids getting better education than we could give them. Uh, I think, and um, and it gave us the freedom to take care of what we need to do at work and stuff. And then my wife and I were alternating in the afternoon. So um, that could be stressful because you take on a lot of work and you're, you know, sometimes like you're with your kids and you want to give them everything you've got. But like at the same time, you're like, oh shit, this offer is like due in, in an hour. And I, I, this has to be dealt with. So, I mean, part of the benefit of having a team is like, I've got so many people, like I've, we've got two or three agents on our team who help me with all of my buyers some of them help me with my listing sometimes. So they can be direct communication with the client and take care of paperwork and listings to send them or analyze and things like that. Um, and then we have great support staff that processes the 180 different transactions or tasks that have to happen for a transaction. So that gives me a kind of flexibility that, that I, I wouldn't have if I was uh, running this business by myself or a solo agent or something. Right. But what was the question again? We were talking about mindset and, and just, you know, just keeping it high and keeping it strong through through the, the challenges of COVID as well as just, just in your business in general, right? I mean, we get beat up quite a bit through this process. Yeah, and that's that's going back to like what I'm grateful for. It helps so much understanding like how much worse it could be, how good I've actually got it, the things that are going well. To train my brain, like you said, like, you said that I'm a guy, a mindset guy to train my brain, to be able to be successful in direct sales. I had to get over the negative experiences that were happening. And I had to do it immediately because if I was carrying that crap to the next consumer, the next potential customer, then they would read that all over my attitude, all over my body language. They would see that other people were saying no, that I was defeated in some kind of way. And they wouldn't know why, but they would just start saying no too because their spidey senses would be tingling. We're all animals. We're just feeding off each other's energy and stuff. So I had to train myself to get over it immediately. So when things are going wrong, I just try to focus on the things that are going well, because that's what I had to do when I was in the field doing that stuff. I had to focus on the experiences that were positive, the times people were signing up for what I was selling, the times that people were excited about the product or, or it was actually benefiting them. And if I could switch to that in my mindset, then I could instantly get back into the sales zone, which was where my attitude was awesome. I was doing a good thing. I was providing value to the people I was talking to. And, uh, and I have to do that to this day. It just takes a lot of practice. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to do that or, or they choose to stay focused on the thing that's, that's negative or that's, that's slowing them down or that's hard. Like you hear so many people blaming COVID for so many things. We talked about that with our operations team because we just did an event. It was a garbage cleanup day. We blasted out the community. We did a lot of things really well. Our events keep getting better because we keep layering in, uh, like we have a checklist of stuff and we keep layering in like marketing and, and um, communications and, and things like that. But 
there were some things we didn't do very well. And, and the excuse was uh, one person said, well, I mean, it's COVID, it's locked down, we can't like get it in person. And we all decided from that point forward that we're not gonna use COVID as an excuse. We didn't, we, we can't do certain things because of the environment, because of the economics, because of uh, pandemics, but we can focus on what we can control. And we could have done this better or we could have done that better. So we just try to focus on the things instead of coming up with those excuses or, or giving ourselves a break, um, we're just trying to focus on what we could do better or what we can control. And, we, you know, if we can do that, then, uh, then we'll feel more empowered and we'll, we'll do things a little bit better than we otherwise would. Continue to win, right? It, you know, it's, it's crazy to hear you say, I'm not a really disciplined guy, and then hear your habits show up and your, your discipline showing up through it. And there was really interesting, you know, comments you made earlier, but as I'm listening to you, you're, you're fairly disciplined to yourself. You know, I, I wouldn't say I'm not a disciplined guy, but, but you're disciplined in making yourself better, I think is, is probably something I've noticed through this. So, so thank you for sharing. I do, I do really appreciate that. Um, well, let's touch on place a little bit. I mean, I know, I know you, you jumped in, you're an expansionist with them. You guys are growing and having a great time. Are, are you guys just in Toronto? Is there a movement happening? Are we starting to see pop-ups everywhere else? Are you the guy? Like, or is everyone coming to you first or how does people, you know, how do you get on this train? That's, that's the number one team in the world. Um, yeah. I mean, Ben will typically, if you're talking to Ben or Chris about partnership opportunities, um, they'll usually defer you to other expansion partners because they want to make sure that you know what's going on with the organization what the value is if you think you fit into it like you need to figure that out first before you know like they're not going to sell you on partnering up with them like they're not compass they're not going and buying friggin' teams and sign them up for two-year contracts like they're getting into business with people that never leave because there's so much value for those businesses because there's alignment and they, the, the, the individual has to figure out if there's alignment because there's so much content out there. Like there's so much information to find out about place. And if somebody thinks that they'd fit into that and their business would, would succeed at a higher level, then they, then Ben and Chris want you, want the other expansion partners to know that they, that they think it would be a good fit, that that person would be a good fit for the organization. So they do a really good job of making sure that they're only partnering with people who are a very strong cultural fit. And it starts with that person doing that. So um, a lot of people would probably be deferred to talk to me just because I am their expansion partner here in Canada. Like it, it was three years of Ben and I talking and mostly of me trying to partner with Ben uh, before we actually signed the papers and stuff. Um, so it, it can be a longer process, but um, it, it makes for longer term uh, relationships. So, yeah, I mean, we are talking to people who are interested in, in the opportunity and we do have a slower process and want to make sure that it would be a long-term fit and that it would actually be mutually beneficial. And, and uh, that's kind of how the process goes, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a scalable model because if you're running a, a real estate sales team and you want your agents to succeed at a higher level and you want more automation and you want better processes and, and you want to just tap into something that's proven to work in in more than 60 markets. And it doesn't matter if it's luxury in Napa or, you know, middle America, $150,000 houses, like the models and systems are working and they're getting agents into production really quickly, then uh, place is probably a good place for, for, you, to, uh, for you to consider. It's, it's just the only uh, platform that, that has um, a team building model and a partnership model in place. 
Well, I love that you mentioned all those different places and, and then Canada, right? We hear a lot that, oh, you know, what you guys do in the States doesn't work here in Canada and you're, you're live proof that, that that's a myth that's been debunked, that the systems work anywhere in the world. Yeah, and I'm actually teaching a class on it this afternoon. I'll send you the recording, Andre, if yes. uh, you know anyone who might benefit from it. But yeah, we're just going through how to build a multi-million dollar sales business. And I'm just going to walk through the, the steps of building these actual systems and what they actually look like and um, the hiring process. It's all obviously abbreviated because you can spend three days, as you know, just on the hiring process. Um, we've both taken that course several times, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, cer certainly a snapshot and some guidance on uh, where to start and what to focus on. That's really cool. That, and I mean, I love, I love teaching as well. I know you learn more when you teach. So, so kudos to you. If someone's looking to, to tap into this stuff, are they, you know, is Instagram best? Should they email you? Should they text you? How, how do they get a hold of you? And it, are you guys hiring right now? Like what sort of stuff are you guys looking for in, in your talent pool? Yeah. Um, right now we don't have any staff positions. We just hired a couple in the last six months, our operations manager and our executive assistant. Um, Agents, we're looking for the right people, of course. Like we've got some systems and processes as we've discussed that um, a lot of agents would benefit to tap into. And if they're a new agent, just to get their business off on the right start and have a foundation to build upon. Um, people who are wanting to grow teams. I mean, I partnered with them when I had a million dollar plus team and um, it made me have more free time and, and make a lot more money. Um, so it might be good for somebody who's, who's looking to do that and wants to do it efficiently and, and not have to reinvent the wheel. Love it. Love it. Well, you know, we're, we're almost out of time here, Austin. And one of the things that that's kind of been proven to be kind of popular and a little bit fun is, is sort of a mic drop moment. Um, no pressure whatsoever, but what's something that if, if our listeners are out there, you feel they have to hear from you or from your experiences that'll help them either in their business or in their, in their personal life as they're continuing to grow. Um, you know, what, what would that be for you? Uh, that would probably be to learn about wealth. You can actually check out um, Ben's wealth series on his podcast, winmakegive.com because in this industry, as you make more money, you'll tend to increase your expenses pretty much proportionally. And that is much less motivating to get up every day to do work. It's a lot less motivated to do more deals when you're really just catching up with your taxes every year. And the most motivating thing, I, I would attribute a lot of the success that I'm having personally in my sales business is from learning about wealth and how to create it and how to build on it and what assets can do for growing your net worth, especially now that we can incorporate and retain our earnings that do not have to get taxed for us to buy real estate assets. There's so many ways and it's so much more motivating to make money to buy assets that are going to appreciate and that can pay us cash flow so that we can eventually get out of the rat race and focus on doing what we want with who we want when we want so that we can actually experience financial freedom because too many real estate agents in our industry make a lot of money, but their expenses keep going up with it. They're not building wealth. They're not thinking about that early enough in their career. And then they're stuck in the, in the business because they have to keep catching up with their taxes and their expenses. That would be the, that's a long answer to your question, Andre. Oh, but that's a great it, answer. And, and, you know, we don't, 
we don't talk about this enough and, and I'm sure you see it in your market as well and, and hear about it as well, but how many top performers do we know that don't even own their own house, right? And um, they're still renting and, and here you are selling this product and encouraging home ownership and you might not even own your own place or own your own investment property. And so that's, that's huge advice is, you know, you got to invest back into yourself. So I'm glad you shared that. We haven't had that one yet. And, and wealth is huge in, in my world. I know it's big in your world as well. And um, so guys, reach out to Austin if you want to have a further chat with, with him or with Place, hear more about his stuff. Um, Austin, what's your Instagram? We find a lot of people uh, are checking people out on Instagram. So what's your handle? Uh, it's Austin Broker Keitner. Um, not too exciting on there, but you're certainly welcome to reach out. For sure. For sure, guys. All right, guys. That's been another episode of the Real Estate Hustle podcast. Again, Austin Keitner out of Toronto um, with Place, Keitner Group. These guys are absolutely killing it. So be sure to check them out. Austin, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure kind of getting to know you a little bit better. And I look forward to continuing to see the great things that you do. One of our asks is, you know, by, by this time next year, we hope to have you back on again. We like to do an update version of the show where you kind of come back and let us know. Hopefully we can count on you for that. And our listeners will tune in for that one as well. That'd be awesome. Thanks for having me, buddy. Uh, my pleasure.